three, two, one. Hi, and welcome to our bonus episode featured in Foundations of Literacy for ESE Teachers, brought to you by the Elementary ESE Department. My name is Jamie, and I'll be your host for this exciting extra content where we are able to dig a little deeper into the reading acquisition process. In our last episode, The Big Idea, Part 2, we were joined by two of the experts in our county, Tiffany Bell, our instructional staff developer for dyslexia, and Jesse Steiff, who works with the county's MTSS and literacy process to ensure equitable outcomes for students. Our team loves it when Jesse is able to join the conversation because he always has so many good things to say about reading. In episode four, The Big Idea, part two, there was so much content to cover in such a short amount of time, but have no fear. In this bonus episode, you will get to hear from Jesse again as he explains the reading acquisition process and gives a brief description of each stage from pre-alphabetic to the automatic stages of reading. Now I'm gonna hand it back over to Jesse as he explains the different stages of the reading acquisition process. So let's talk a little bit about how word reading develops. Now, word reading development happens in pretty predictable phases. And the skills that I discussed that contribute to orthographic mapping, they do take time to develop. And there's a, there's a researcher that everyone, that should be a household name in, in all educational households. Her name is Dr. Linnea Airy, who describes four phases that students typically go through on their journey from unskilled to skilled readers and, and spellers. Like if there were a Mount Rushmore of reading researchers, Linnea Airy, she would definitely be up on there. Now, I wanna preface this with saying these phases of word reading apply not only to automatic word recognition, but also to decoding and spelling as well. In fact, decoding or sounding out words over and over is the primary way that orthographic mapping occurs. And these phases start with what's called the pre-alphabetic phase. This phase in very, very, in young children characterized by a total lack of understanding of how an alphabetic language system works. You know, a child in this phase may see a symbol like the golden arches and they'll say McDonald's, but they, but they really have no conception of the written word. You know, they, they just as readily see the recycling sign with the arrows, you know, and, and they say the word recycle or recycling. These children are essentially non-readers and they use cues that do not involve the alphabetic writing system. Now, then there is the partial alphabetic phase. And this phase occurs as kids are learning some letters and some sounds, and they're acquiring some basic phoneme awareness skills. And partial alphabetic readers use some letter sound knowledge to try to read words, um, but they're still really struggling kind of with skilled decoding. They tend to mistake many letters for others, P, uh, you know, P, uh, B and D, P, uh, P and Q, and they are not accurate or automatic with their ability to associate a sound when they see a grapheme. Now, because they don't have complete alphabetic knowledge, they use their knowledge of some of the letters in the word along with other sources of information, like a picture or, this, or the syntax of the sentence to guess at words. And I wanna be really clear that these are the habits and characteristics of poor readers that we need to get a student past as quickly as possible in order to get them to real skilled reading. And we certainly don't wanna teach to do things like like teach students to, to use other, other sources of information when they can't recognize all the letters in a word. Now, large numbers of kids do get stuck in this, in this partial alphabetic phase. 
particularly in the primary K2 years, when they don't actually need to be stuck in this phase. And, but, and how can this happen, right? Remember that progress through these phases is very much dependent on the nature of the instruction that the students get. What keeps a student stuck in the partial alphabetic phase may be many factors, including a reading program that maybe doesn't teach all of the major grapheme phoneme correspondences in a, in a, in a systematic manner. The instruction can also possibly delay or teach poorly the strategy of transforming graphemes into phonemes and then blending those phonemes to decode unknown words into complete pronunciations of whole words. So that those are these are things that good phonics systems will do. It's systematic phonics instruction that brings students' attention to how the phonemes in a spoken word relate to the graphemes in a written word. That's what brings a student from the partial alphabetic phase to the next phase, which is the full alphabetic phase. Now, the full alphabetic phase is the first time that true skilled word reading starts to develop, but it's not the last stop in skilled reading. The full alphabetic phase is characterized by the student attending to every letter in the word and having the knowledge for most, if not all, of the major phoneme-grapheme correspondences. And the, the full alphabetic phase is where true word decoding starts. Decoding from left to right through every letter of the word, or every grapheme of the word. Uh, with, this, with these skills firmly in place, complete connections can be made between all the letters seen in the written form of the word and all the phonemes that students detect in their pronunciation. So phonemic awareness and letter sound knowledge develop in tandem with one another. And phonemic awareness is at the core of the difficulties that kids with dyslexia experience. And we'll kind of come back around to how that can throw a wrench in, in word reading development. But decoding letters into blended sounds helps readers figure out words that they haven't read before, right? So reading them a few times for most kids moves the word into memory so that they can be read automatically without them having to be decoded again. Remember that orthographic mapping consists of a deliberate connection-making process between the letters seen in a word's spelling and the phonemes detected in the word's pronunciation. And it's this connection-making process is precisely what decoding does. The students connect a phoneme to each of the word's graphemes and then blends those phonemes to pronounce the word. In skilled decoding, in the full alphabetic phase, a student can hear all the phonemes because they just identified them and successfully blended them together to say the word. For most students, performing this decoding process between two and five times is kind of all that's required for that word to become a sight word or a word that's automatically recognized. However, if you're a student with dyslexia, this process can break down in reliable ways that we'll come back to that would make you, that would make you have to decode that word more often in order to, for that word to become automatically recognized. The next phase is called the consolidated alphabetic phase. And students in this phase possess knowledge of all the major letter sound or phoneme grapheme relationships and have used this knowledge over the course of time to build a really sizable sight vocabulary or bank of words that they can automatically recognize. In typical readers, the consolidated alphabetic phase kind of emerges over the course of second grade and, and into third grade, which is why you tend to see really big explosions in reading fluency at that time. You know, and as a result of them building up this sizable sight vocabulary, they've learned how to decode 
commonly recurring phonics patterns as multi-grapheme or multi-letter units. So what do I mean by that? These units include things like rhyme units like I-G-H-T, T-I-O-N, A-N-T, A-N-K, O-N-T, and, and so on and so forth. A person in this phase groups common patterns of letters and sounds as units and instead of reading grapheme by grapheme or letter by letter. And this allows a student to decode multi-syllable words by analogy a lot of the time and to read much, much more fluently than a student who's in that partial or that full alphabetic phase. Then finally, there is the automatic phase in which proficient, probably adolescent and adult readers read almost every single word entirely by sight without having to decode them. And so, but you know, for students with dyslexia or other language-based reading disabilities, we tend not to make it to that much of the time into the consolidated or automatic phase. That doesn't mean by any means that they are incapable of reaching those phases. It's a matter of the quality of the instruction and the amount of repetition and cumulative practice that they're able to part in. We'll stop there for a second. Thanks, Jesse. That was great. The last thing we were hoping you could do for us today is explain a little bit more on the implications of dyslexia and its relationship to orthographic mapping. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic question and one with huge implications for every single VE teacher across the country. So in order to talk about the implications of dyslexia on orthographic mapping, I think we have to talk a little bit more about the characteristics of dyslexia, uh, dispelling some misconceptions around dyslexia in that it has nothing to do with seeing letters backwards or words jumping around on the page or uh, what I'm here to talk about today. But what dyslexia actually is, is a language-based learning difficulty, specifically the phonological component of language. So children with dyslexia experience difficulties with one or more aspects of phonological processing. As a school psychologist, I've talked to many teachers who said, you know, there, there must be some sort of a processing problem. And to that, I would say, yes, absolutely, phonological processing problem. But what do I mean by phonological processing? There are multiple aspects of processing phonological information. Students with dyslexia may have difficulty with things like phoneme analysis or phoneme segmentation. They may have difficulty with understanding of how words come apart into their component phonemes. Having difficulty with segmenting like this will cause difficulties with spelling words, as well as hooking those graphemes to the, into phonemes. Because a student can't segment a word fully into its component phonemes, students also may have difficulty with phonological blending, or blending individual phonemes to form whole words. So I, you know, to a younger child, I might say something like, what word am I trying to say? And then they may say something like at or cab or something like that. And that would indicate that there is a blending difficulty there. As students are older, they may have difficulty blending words that have consonant blends at the beginning and ending. So we might be looking at, you know, five, six phoneme words. That can be a real big challenge for, for students with dyslexia. And of course, decoding difficulties like that and spelling difficulties like that really throw a wrench into orthographic mapping because as we just discussed, orthographic mapping depends so, so, so intimately on decoding words uh, multiple times. Now, there are other aspects of phonological processing that also make reading words accurately and fluently very difficult for children with dyslexia. One concept is of 
rapid automatized naming. That might be a new one for, for, a lot of, for a lot of the listeners, but rapid automatized naming just has to do with the speed and ease with which a child can retrieve phonological information from their long-term memory. So if I am, you know, if I am asking a student to read a word and, you know, we'll just go back to a, a simple CVC word for, for simplicity's sake, like the word mat, how quickly that student, that, that student can see the letter M and how, and how quickly they can, they can go back into their, into their mental filing cabinet and retrieve that individual sound has a lot to do with rapid automatized naming. It also has to do with non-letter information. So another way that I might, as a school psychologist, assess rapid automatized naming, I would, I would show a student a, um, a paper filled with just common symbols, a cup, a key, a bird, um, and, a, you know, and, a, and a chair. I'm gonna have the student name those symbols as quickly as possible. Children with dyslexia, despite knowing what a cup and a key and a, and a bird is very, uh, very well, will perform much, much, much more slowly than, than children without dyslexia. And so that there are clear implications there for even if when a student is able to accurately identify letter sounds and accurately identify words for the speed with which uh, they're able to read. Um, another, um, another aspect of phonological processing is called phonological working memory. And maybe Tiffany had, uh, had touched briefly on phonological working memory, but um, that has to do with our ability to keep information in our immediate awareness, in our short-term memory, um, and use it to, to, for some aspect of problem solving. So how this relates to word reading uh, might be, if I, again, if I'm working with a kindergartner or a first grade student or a second grade student or an unskilled um, uh, older student, and they're trying to read the word cat, for example, and they go, and they, they know all their letter sounds, and they go k, a, t, and they think for a second, and they say at, um, that student totally left off the C. And there are many students for whom, who have working memory difficulties who may not be able to hold two, uh, three bits of phonological information in their, in, in their working memory at one time and be able to blend them in the context of their phonological working memory. So that k bit of information just popped out of their working memory and they blended what was left, the at. Now there are tried and true instructional strategies for, for things like that. Uh, the most popular of which is called successive blending, which, take, which cuts down the amount of phonological information um, in children's working memory. So I would have the student read the word k -a, and then blend those together first to say ka, and then add the t, the, the t sound and say ka t. So we've changed, we've we've narrowed down three bits of phonological information that maybe they weren't able to hold in their working memory to two bits of it phonological information that they can hold in their working memory. Now that successive blending can, can work for almost any word. Um, so the, so the, the, the phonological implications of dyslexia uh, can be many and varied, and students may have difficulties with one or more of those, of those phonological skills all of which can throw a wrench in a student's ability to orthographically map um, a word over time. Thanks again, Jesse, for joining us on this episode of Foundations of Literacy for ESE Teachers. Thanks for joining us on this bonus episode of Foundations of Literacy for ESE Teachers, brought to you by the ESE Department of Pinellas County Schools. 
If you have any questions on the reading acquisition phases, orthographic mapping and its implications for dyslexia, or any of the content covered in Episode 4, The Big Idea Part 2, please feel free to reach out to your instructional staff developer assigned to your school. We are more than happy to help and support you to use your data and plan systematic and explicit reading instruction that will close the reading gaps in your most struggling students. This has been a bonus episode in the Foundations of Literacy for ESE Teachers. I'm your host, Jamie, and thanks for joining.